Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight down the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Craig Zemet, and Craig is a content creator on YouTube. I actually found him uh, just kind of in a recommended feed for his uh, his YouTube channel, Bushcraft and Camping Adventures. And this guy is uh, he's pretty interesting because he goes out into the bush and goes camping on his own. He's uh, he's an absolute madman, and he's actually started to dip his toes into the paranormal and the whole cryptid thing uh, with his second YouTube channel, the Paranormal and Cryptid Adventures, and it's really starting to spark my interest and I had to get him on the show because I, I have to ask him how he do, how he goes about this, why he's doing it. Craig, welcome to the show, mate. G'day, Kate. Thanks for having me, mate. Big fan of the show, so I'm quite excited to be on here. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, mate, it's the, the pleasure's all mine because I, uh, I know how you YouTube guys do it because I can tell you it's a lot of work to do a podcast and uh, that's that's only audio. I don't know how you, you video boys do it because I can tell you what, that would be a huge amount of work. A lot of late nights. <laughs> a lot of late nights is the short answer. Trying to squeeze in an hour of editing here and there. And and the biggest issue always becomes when you're out camping, when do you hit the record button? When do you not hit the record button? It's a lot of pre-planning and, and a lot of thought goes into what is often very average video. But, you know, you get that sometimes. So, uh yeah, as, as, as you would do, you make it up as you go sometimes. Well, that's exactly it. And uh, it's you're not going to hit a home run every time I say, but I reckon as long as you, you can kind of get onto the bases, you're, you're going all right because content creation is it's a hard gig. That's, that's just the, the plain honest truth about it. 
it's not easy. It's uh, but look, you know, you know what the bottom line is. If you enjoy it, then it's like any job. You know, if you if you enjoy what you're doing, then you're not working. So you know, every night I put in a few hours of editing, and um and as you say, sometimes you knock it out of the park and you're proud of what you're doing. Other times you just post a video and, and hope that other people don't laugh too much <laughs> in the middle somewhere. Yeah, look, mate, you must have a lot thicker skin than me because I uh, I I probably don't I don't have the face for uh, for YouTube. I think I have the voice for radio, and I'll stick with that. But mate. What got you? Um, what made you start the whole bushcraft and camping adventures thing? Are you just a, a natural explorer at heart? I think the exact opposite. If honest, I'm, a lot of guys you listen to that do this whole YouTube thing, they have these really cool stories. You know, as a kid growing up on a farm or growing up in the mountains, and, or having a grandparent take them out and do this and that. That was absolutely not the case with me. We did some stuff with my with my dad when we were young, but I only really started realizing that there was an itching to do something outside. Um, you know, in the last four to five years. And oddly enough, it started by watching television. Um, are you familiar with the show Alone? No, I'm not. What is it? It's basically 10, 10 guys and girls get chucked out in the middle of the wilderness. They get to take 10 items and the last survivor wins a whole bunch of cash. I used to sit there with my missus and watch it and I'd say, I don't know what it is. It, this show makes me feel something. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'd watch every season and every time I'd watch an episode, I would get this feeling this this longing to be out there and then i started watching you know some other youtubers do their thing and one day i just said you know what i'm going to go out on a camping trip and i i'd never been on my own to a camping trip at all before that so every single video you see on my channel the very first video you see on my channel that's the first camping trip i ever took out of my home you're kidding very different yeah yeah really different so i think people can relate to me because i'm not an expert i haven't had 50 years of being in the bush I'm just a normal dude that's learning basically literally as I posted on online. And I think that's, yeah, very relatable. Mate, that's incredible just, because you're going out there on your own as well. Yeah, man, I like the solitude. You know, I really I, I really like being out there on my own. I've always had that loner in me, that, that side of me that just wants to be left alone and just wants to chill out in my own space. And camping, it's, it, it, to be honest with you, Kate, it's almost like, like a mental relief. You know, um, the world gets to you and to go out every three, four weeks and just be alone with nature, it's uh, it's it's almost necessary for me at this point. But I didn't realize that till I started going out and noticing what a good impact I had on my life and it becomes quite addictive, if I'm honest. It's, it, it's, it's really good. Though. It's something I really, really enjoy. But I, I, I never, ever went out with the intention to search for Yowies, to, to read about cryptids, to do any of that at all. It's... It just kind of happened naturally. If you don't mind me, I could tell you the story of kind of how we all got to where we are today. Yeah, well, absolutely. Because that's one of the questions that I have is because I don't really understand how you go from doing bushcraft to doing paranormal encrypted kind of hunting adventures. Because that's that's a big that's a big difference. That's a big leap, especially for someone who is, uh, I guess, such a newbie to to the bush to go from you know just learning how to camp then to potentially looking for yowies and and i guess the the cryptid world that goes on out there yeah well i got a bit of an obsessive personality so you know once i get into something and sink my teeth in there's no stopping it um anyone who knows me will tell you that but yeah i just one day i was just sitting at home and this is after i this was seven eight months ago give or take and i just was looking at my youtube analytics those who don't know youtube that's basically when you look at all your stats and your figures and your data for people who are viewing your channel where they're coming from all that kind of stuff and i noticed there was a bit of a spike in one of my videos and views and you know as you do i followed the 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 rabbit hole i guess and i found 
that there was this Yowie website, yowiehunters.net. And I was getting a lot of traffic from this website. I'm like, okay, that's really weird. I have no idea why that's happening. Let's go and check out this website and read the thread on the forum. Why am I mentioned? And this guy had put a post about a video. I think it was my second or third video ever. And he said, this guy has no idea, but he's recorded a Yowie vocalization. Really? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to make you think of that. So I read the whole thread and everyone's commenting saying, yeah, 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 this, I think this guy's clueless. He doesn't know what he's got because he's got himself something legit here. And so, of course, me, me and me, I got like, so excited by the possibility. And I went back and listened to my vocals that they're referring to. And, and in the video, I actually did take note of it. I actually put on the, um, in text on the screen that there was some unknown animal calls that I just wanted to note to people. I don't know why I did it at the time. But I think I just thought it was something different. So I listen and I go and do some research and listen to other Yowie calls and Fair enough, it's actually quite a close match. And so, of course, I get really excited. You know, I start commenting on the forum and start talking to everyone. And and it just got really exciting. And it just felt, it was this rush of energy. And this is awesome, man. Like, I may have recorded something that shouldn't exist. And it was just that simple line in itself that got me really, really excited. You know, the fact that something that shouldn't be there was potentially there when I was there. And I even recorded the thing. And it was really, really exciting. I think that's half the half the the thrill of it all because it's kind of like you're you're not going out there you're not actually pursuing this type of thing and I can only imagine how many Yowie hunters are rolling over in their graves right now with the the mm-hmm. fact that you've accidentally got this great find and uh, people can go out there for decades and and not find the the piece of evidence that they want and for I guess it's just dumb luck that people stumble across this type of stuff and just capture it at the right time yeah absolutely dumb luck is exactly what it was but now that my life's kind of gone where it's gone and i'm so into this and i'm starting to think maybe it was meant to be it was some kind of weird twisted fate that i was meant to be there that day because the place i went i used to hear these calls all the time and i think that's maybe why i pointed them out because i used to always hear them go what the hell is that i don't even know what it is and i just get on with my camping trip were you much of a yaoi believer before this um not specifically, no. I definitely wouldn't even say that that would be my life at all. Like, the whole concept of Bigfoot was something that I would think is a pretty cool thing, something that I had read about in the past, but I absolutely had no, nothing, really. I mean, coming from zero almost. I had a big background of, you know, conspiracy theories and, you know, listening to Coast to Coast AM and, and all these different radio stations when I was younger, but the Yahweh thing was just a glancing interest at best, I think. So there was... Yeah, there was nothing really there that I could say I was trying to play off on that. It was just it just happened. It just kind of happened. So, you had that Yowie encounter. What happens after that? Is do you get hooked on on that topic then, or was there was there something else that kind of was a catalyst for you? A bit of both, Kate. A bit of both. So definitely started gaining interest. And I mean, obviously, if you were to accidentally film a UFO, you would suddenly get very interested in what you had filmed and you know follow it up. And so that definitely happened. But then a really weird thing happened that I still can't explain to this day. I don't know what it was. And one thing people who don't know my channels um, might know, but I don't like diving headfirst into anything. So if you, if I see something or hear something out in the bush, I'm always, the first, you know, five thoughts I have is how can I debunk this? How can I look at this from a perspective of this isn't a bloody hour? This is just something natural that I don't understand. So I'm a big proponent that, 
people tend to try and make sense out of things they don't understand and to do that they create stories in their head and sometimes that's completely harmless and sometimes you know it can create huge misunderstandings and so i always kind of want to go in with that approach but this thing happened and it kind of tripped me up so you can all go people can all go and look at this on my bushcraft and camping channel because this is where it all started on that channel i built a, uh, a bushcraft structure so you gotta you get all the dead wood from the area and basically you build a bed you build a shelter you build tables, you know, and you live in it. It's fun, whatever. One night, sorry, not one night, one trip I went to my shelter, as you normally do, and I noticed that there was some writing on the bed. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, who's been at my campsite? And I just instantly assumed someone's been there and they've written something, you know, inappropriate or distasteful or something stupid on the actual bushcraft bed. But when I looked closely at it, it seemed to be written in chalk from the campfire. Not chalk, sorry, um, charcoal from the campfire on each slat i guess you could say of the bushcraft bed was like some kind of runic letter or symbol and i still don't know i've done excessive amounts of uh research into runic languages and all sorts of obscure texts from around the world and i can't find what the heck this language is but something wrote something on my bushcraft bed that's creepy now, yeah yeah man i mean i got excited by it but if this is what kept going through my head if this was a person that did that and they wanted to write in some kind of runic language, and it would be some language that they've studied or that they know of. They wouldn't just write random symbols, I don't think. I don't think someone would do that, because what's the point? So I looked at these runic letters, and I'm like, what the heck is this? And I started thinking, is this that bloody yeah, we think how about that? So it kind of hooked me in twice. Not only did I accidentally record a call, but now I've got this weird communication on my bushcraft bed, and I just can't make any sense of it, and this is getting really, really cool. And I need to do more of this because I think I'm getting hooked. So at this point, I did a couple of videos saying, look, there's all this Yahweh evidence at my base camp. And I did it on my bushcraft channel. And I said, I know I don't normally do this, but, you know, here's here's all the evidence. And what do you guys think? And that video was my biggest video for a long time. For like 20,000 views in a short amount of time. And I obviously freaked out because I'm a very small YouTuber. And then I went, all right, this is cool. I'm excited. It's getting the YouTube channel a little bit of traction. It's getting my interest peaked. It's It's feeling right. And so it was from that point on, man. It was trying to convince myself to do bushcraft content because all I wanted to do was go out and yell. That's pretty much all I wanted to do once that moment. So it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of obsessively hooked on it and kind of, you know, serendipitous moments leading me down this path, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting because the the first thought that came to my mind when you said you you had this writing on the on the bed there that was kind of in a language that you you didn't understand. It was more symbolic rather than um then then i guess actual lettering is um i'm wondering if that's witchcraft well you know it's funny you say that because there was a small period of my life where i was well into the whole wicked thing and all that kind of thing and i never came across anything that quite looked like that uh, now again i'm definitely not saying I'm, I'm the expert that knows everything about everything yeah i'm sure a language expert would look at it and be able to work out what it is although i have had language experts look at it and they didn't know what it was so I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't have an answer for what it was, but I've had other researchers contact me and say that they've had similar writing, and they're you know in America, and that they put it down to Bigfoots or Sasquatches in their area. Really? So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's one of those things that I hope in ten years' time I can resolve. But at this point, it's this big core cool mystery that I just don't know 
I mean, imagine being able to decipher that and imagine there was a message and then imagine you could decode that message and reply back. I mean, the potential is absolutely huge. Oh, it really is. It's um, it's it's kind of groundbreaking because I'll, I'll be honest with you, like I, I don't go out there and I don't do any Yowie researching. I um, A lot of the, the stuff that I do is I just kind of re recount people's actual encounters and, and, and stuff like that. So I've, I've actually never, never have I ever heard of uh, Yahweh's or, or Bigfoot or anything like that communicating by, I guess, essentially written word because that's a that's the next level type of uh, communication between sapient beings. You know, first you you, you have uh, the, the the talking uh, that can happen between them, and um, you know you you compare that to the the Ron Moorhead uh, Sierra sounds, and you can you can hear that there's a, a genuine language going on. Uh, between that, even even chimpanzees seem to have this type of uh, almost talking language between themselves. But to to have a, a a written language that is, I don't know, man. That's that's kind of huge. Look, if it's huge, I mean, as I say as on my channel, you always you say if that's what it is, it could just simply be that there's nothing to it, and someone just did a practical joke, and that's the end of it. But yeah, if that is what we think it would be, yeah, it is absolutely huge. And that's why I put a lot of lot of time into trying to decipher and I've come up with nothing. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not sure if that's a good sign or a bad sign, but if they have a language, then one would argue that they have some written way of communicating, but maybe that's thinking like a human. Yeah, maybe that's a limited perspective. And, and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. It's just one of these things where you can have these really great and out there theories because at this point in time, no one really knows. So that's exactly right. It's um, I don't think it's a, a, a an outrageous thing to say because who knows how advanced in 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 that type of sense a, a yaoi actually is. Um, there's there's people out there who think they're you know they're, they're crossbred with aliens. So you know to to think that an, an, an alien being ha- can potentially travel all the way across the solar system or the universe or or wherever to to crossbreed with a with a yaoi, there would be some some cross pollination of intelligence that would go on there. Absolutely, and, and I I tend to think that to to survive for as long as these things seem to have survived, and really, I mean, unidentified, undiscovered. Sorry, is the word I'm looking for. Of, I mean, people differ on this point, but they don't seem to be simply animals that haven't been discovered to me. I think that, as you say, there's something else going on there. It could be interbreeding with another species it could be interdimensional capabilities it could be it could be anything they could have evolved for hundreds of thousands of years focusing purely on the mystical and the spiritual and so they're just completely complete masters of that kind of thing we don't know but yeah i think there is a higher level of intelligence there what that higher level is maybe i hope to find out in the next you know 10 20 years hopefully i'll put something down and, and resolve some of that mystery but there definitely seems to be something there. So a written language, yeah, maybe not too far-fetched. Maybe not too far-fetched. And, you know, we, we may even be thinking a little bit too too highly of it right now because if you, if you think of it, there's there's been civilizations around the world for thousands of years who may not have had a written language, but they've definitely had uh, some sort of visual communication in the sense of yeah. there's, there's cave paintings, there's carvings, there's things like that. So to say yeah. that it may be a written language might be might be us 
maybe stretching or looking for something that maybe not be there. But to if, let's let's wind it back a bit and say, hey, this could potentially be a a recreation of a of a of a cave painting or a carving or something like that. That actually starts to become a little bit more uh, not not believable, but I guess uh, realistic in that sense. Well, that's it. I don't think that, especially when you're researching something as, as unusual and unknown as a yaoi, I don't think you can put limitations on where you should allow your mind to, to go when it comes to pondering possibilities. I've got some far out stuff on my channel, like some, some really out there stuff. And as I say on these videos, if I don't allow my brain to have fun with this and really explore possibilities that may seem a little silly to some, then we're not going to have progress. And that's exactly what you're getting at. Like, we shouldn't cut ourselves off from the possibilities that could possibly be there. There might be nothing, it might not be anything, but it could also be a train of thought if you allow your brain to, you know, go a bit silly and really ponder these weird thoughts. You may stumble across a truth that no one's ever thought of before. If everyone's doing the same thing, we don't get progress. You know, there's 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 a place for the people who want to get a body. There's a place for the people who want to get the footage. And I think there's a place for the people who want to, think outside the box and we all work together and hopefully come up with an answer at some point. And now a quick word from our sponsor. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. And you know, I, I've I see hundreds of of Yowie and, and Bigfoot uh, researchers, and I'll, and I'll put researchers in bunny ears because um, you know it's what's what's to really class someone as a researcher is is that someone who just opens a book, is that someone who looks into the bush and draws red circles around trees and says that's a Yowie. <laughs> Um, you know, that's that, there's hundreds of those people out there. I can tell you that. Um, yes, but to, and and that's not to to bash on those people because you know everyone researches in their own way. But um, what what I what I really do like is the the open mindedness that you would go out there and say, look, I don't know what this is because that's one of the big things that I I really dislike in the in the Yowie community and the Bigfoot community is that there's so many people who think they know exactly what these things are. And uh, my question to those people is always like, well, how come you haven't exposed them? If you know exactly what they are, what they do, what, where's your proof? I'm totally with you, man. And, and look, maybe I shouldn't say what I'm about to say, but anyone who's in the field will probably pick it already from a mile off. But there is a big problem, I think globally, with the whole Bigfoot, Yowie, Sasquatch research field. And I say, I'm not pinpointing any individuals whatsoever, but there's a lot of ego, man. And unfortunately, I think everyone wants to be the one to have the breakthrough. And I completely get it, if, especially if you've dedicated your whole life to it. I completely get it. And again, I'll say it, I'm, I'm a no one. You know, I've, I've been around for, for a hair's breadth compared to some of these other blokes. But there's so much ego in the field that I think people often lose sight of what the point of it is. And 
it kind of drags down the whole kind of uh, the whole community gets affected by it because people won't share findings or people won't open their mind up to possibilities that are outside of the bubble that they've created. And as you say, no dramas. If you want to find photos, zoom in on them and look for, you know, potentially cloaked or, or hidden, you know, beings in the forest, more power to you. I hope you had good luck. I really do. It's not my way to do it, though. That's not my approach. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone can research their own ways, just like you said. But the, the, thing, the thing that kills it is when those people start to say, Look, Joe over here, he researches footprints and that's the dumb thing to do because you're never going to find the, the, the Yowie that way. You have to be looking in the trees for cloaked things or, you know, things mm. like that. It's just kind mm. of, I think I'm very much on the, under the same mindset as uh, as you there, Craig, is that there should almost be this open depository of Yowie findings or Bigfoot findings or things like that because, I mean, sure, everyone would love to be the person to be the one who found the Yowie or found the Bigfoot, but I would also just love for it to not ever be found and just have this community of kick-ass people who are all supporting each other and all kind of giving each other a really good pat on the back for the research that they do find. And it's it's all about just building that community, I think. Absolutely. I mean, there's a particular research that's been absolutely amazing and I'm happy to name drop him. And I, you know what? I'd recommend you reach out to this guy because his name's Christopher Noel. Are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. He's, he's based in the States. He's done some really good research, and he's reached out to me. He's given me, you know, copies of his books to read. He's given me advice, and he's asked absolutely nothing in return. And it's like I didn't plan to, to mention him in any way, shape, or form, but it's just it's a really good example of exactly what you're saying, how it should be. But then on the other hand, there's, you know, the exact opposite side of that coin where you get some people getting quiet. And I've never had really any negative encounters myself yet. You know, everyone tells me they will come. Um but, you know, yeah, unfortunately, the other side, which is people getting a little bit protective of their data and, and, and wanting to, to, to solve it on their own. And I totally get that. I totally get it. But I don't think that's the way for it. I think, um, I think it's much better if we get together, like you say, and, and reach out to everyone and help each other up. And, and look, at the end of the day, if we ever do find this thing, I've got the same dilemma as you. Well, if I say I was to record it tomorrow, would I even post the footage? I've had this argument with myself many times. As soon as it's out there, you could be risking this being from being, you know, hunted, shot, um, you know, people going out there like it's a tourism thing, you know, and there's always that, I kind of agree that part of me says I never want it to be discovered, but then the other part of me says, wait a second, yes, I do. (laughs) I really want to know what this is all about. I mean, I do too. It's kind of like one of those things. It's always one of those urban urban legends of, um, you know, Loch Ness and, and Yowies and Bigfoot and stuff like that, where these things have just been around for forever. And it's, you know, there's there's so many detractors from them and, you know, let them detract it. That's their prerogative. Um, it's no point trying to change those people's minds because you, you never will. Even if you had a dead body of it laying there, they'll say it's fake. Um, but yeah, you know, I, they're right in that regard, I guess. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I would, I, I kind of would love for it to be found. But I'm also in the same boat that I just, I would just love for it to never be found, ever, ever, ever. Just because I think a lot of people really do enjoy the, just like yourself, you know, the that peace of mind. You can go out, enjoy yourself by yourself in the in the Australian bush and just have a, a good time. And if you stumble across something, hey, that's a treat for you. 
Absolutely, man. And I mean, yeah, look, if, if, if you look at the indigenous peoples of Australia, they've got uh, a history dating back, you know, the latest, you know, figures say at least 130,000 years of occupation on, on, on this continent, which is absolutely epic in and of itself. But, I mean, you ask anyone who knows anything about their history and they'll tell you that they, they absolutely have a history with Yowlers. Um, it's written in, it's written in stone, so to speak, and you can't fake that. You know, you can't go back 100,000 years and fake a cave drawing, or you can't go back 100,000 years and fake a story that's been passed down from generation to generation. And to me, that adds the, the, the credibility that I personally need. And I think a lot of people miss little things like that. Um, like, I, as I've mentioned before we went on the air, I'm a school teacher, and, when, you know, I talk to my students about, yeah, go out and search for victory. They're looking like I'm an absolute lunatic, and maybe I am. But they just don't understand the whole picture. And as I say, that indigenous piece of the puzzle for me, I think it's absolutely huge. And when I go out into the field, I absolutely incorporate techniques and language and all sorts of ideas that are totally rooted in indigenous mythology and indigenous law in an attempt to try and bridge that, so to speak, to show that, you know, I'm aware of their history and I've got respect for it and I'm trying to acknowledge it. And I think that could be a big part of the puzzle as well. Because indigenous peoples all around the world talk about these beings in different ways. And I think there's something there. I really do. That's a really awesome way of doing it. Because, I mean, I don't I don't follow any Yowie hunters religiously or anything like that. I mean, the the only thing that I might look at every now and then is um, the when when Dean Harrison put something up on um, Australian Yowie Research, that YouTube channel. Yeah, and, yeah um, really good, that. Yeah, yeah, he does a fantastic job. Um but that's that's really about the extent of the the research that I do, and even even then, that's that's very very minimal. Um, but to, for you to go that extra mile and, and really incorporate a lot of Aboriginal culture in there, I think that's a really unique perspective. I haven't really heard of anyone else doing that that type of approach to that. Yeah, look, I'm the more you learn about me, the, the, I'm a bit of a unique character. I kind of just want to blaze my own path. I don't care what people have done before. I don't care what people are going to do tomorrow. If people think what I'm doing is a bit weird and wonderful, then it's probably on the right path. You know, and I've got a lot of people that help me out with that kind of information as well. I'll keep names away, but I have a lot of people that help me out with that. And it's really appreciated because you don't get anywhere following the pack. Um, I'm a big believer that you have to do it your own way. You be a leader, not a follower. And I think the Indigenous thing just feels right to me. It just makes sense to me. When I'm out there in the bush... I mean, I could tell you a whole story about how I got lost just last weekend. And, um, you know, the day was going absolutely horrendous. Um, the video hasn't even come out yet to tell the story of this, but it felt like my entire trip was absolutely cursed. And then a mate of mine has given me a few things, a few, you know, words you can say in the indigenous language, you know, to talk to the ancestor spirits and all that kind of thing. And I sat down and I, I spoke, I guess you could say, to the ancestor spirits to kind of give them my intentions in the hope that, Whatever negative juju was hanging over my trip would go away, and I'll tell you, man, it absolutely worked, as crazy as that sounds. Um, all the bad luck went away, and the trip was golden from that point onwards. It just felt like that was some kind of sign that I was on the right path, as silly as that sounds. You know what? It's not really that silly, because if you think of it, Australia is such an old continent. The The people that have lived here, like you said just before, they've been here for hundreds of thousands of years, so... There's there's a lot of history to to the earth here in Australia, and you know I'm I'm sure there would be a lot of residual spiritual energy that that resides all over this country. So 
for for individuals to tap into that, honestly, I don't think it's that far fetched of a of an idea. Yeah, well, I, I, I tend to agree, man. I tend to agree. I mean, as you, I mean, this kind of goes to one of the core tenets of, of what I think a, a Yahweh would be. But it's all about the energy. I think everything is energy. I mean, science proves that. That sounds undeniable. But I think to take that statement as far as you can, and even start applying that to Yahwehs themselves, and start talking about Yahwehs not just as a being or a possible relic hominid or a possible, you know, animal that's escaped detection, but something that might be able to be a master of energy and, and spiritual spiritual kind of uh, realities, I guess you could say. So you're, that, yeah. So you're fairly common with uh, Ron Moorhead's theories then, I would take it. Uh, I, I hadn't done a lot with Ron Moorhead except for listening to the Sierra Sounds like everybody else. And throughout the two interviews that you had with him, I'm sitting there, my head almost fell off from nodding so much. I couldn't believe how everything he was saying was just driving so well with me. Like, those interviews, if anyone hasn't heard him, go listen to them. Fantastic. Yeah, because he, yeah, I agree with him. He has a he has a really, really interesting theory, you know, that they, they operate on a on a different um uh, realm essentially and that's the way that I'll put it because I'll, I'll put it in a much lesser term than what he would because he's very articulate he's a very well spoken individual and um, it, he kind of he's he, he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that type of thing but he he, he believes that the Yowie is or the Sasquatch or whatever you know whatever you would call it um, it, it operates in the in a in a quantum um, essence that it, it it conveys in and out of this reality and operate in a different reality, uh, just because of the the energy that it, it it's made of. And when you hear of Yowie encounters or things like that, you hear of a lot of um, I guess orbs hap- a lot of orb sightings happen when a when a Yowie encounter happens, and he tends to believe that's residual energy from the actual creature being there or phasing into this other uh, dimension is probably the best way that I could put it. I think he's got a really good point, man. And I'll tell you, I've seen these lights that people refer to as orbs or, or whatever they call them. And only one time have I seen lights and then not had a second occurrence, be it a vocalization or, a, I mean, look, wood knocks on me. I'm not sure where I stand on them, but I've heard a couple of them and they always coincide with these strange lights. I have a place that I, I, I refer to as Base Camp Bobby. It's basically my big base camp that I've built up. It's I love the place. I'll never forget one night I was sitting there and it was the same night. And let this be a lesson to any uh, researcher, researcher out there. Have an audio recorder on you. Do not rely on camera audio because I sat there one night for I think at least two to three hours listening non-stop to what I assumed were Yahoo vocalizations. Two hours. Okay, and I kid you not, I was lucky to get five seconds recorded of even decent half-quality vocalization. It was very disappointing, but these vocalizations, there was clearly two yaois, or two, let's say two things. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a master of the bush. Maybe there's an animal that I'm not aware of. I've done my research and all the, the common you know, Australian animals and the calls that you get from them, there might be an animal that I'm not aware of. But what I was hearing sounded very human but it also sounded very primate, which is the typical description. There was two, definitely two voices, one further away and one closer, and they were absolutely communicating with each other in a really non-human way. Um, the pacing and the patterning of the vocals was really, really unusual, and it wasn't definitely 
it was not a human conversation. You and me are talking now. It's a very predictable pattern and rhythm to the way that we speak. This was not even remotely in that, in that manner. And so that's what got my attention. But the night that this happened was the same night that I was sitting there listening to these vocalizations and I just looked to the left. And I reckon about 70, 80 meters away, maybe, I could just see what was, it looked like someone had an LED headlamp on their head and they were just standing still in the bush. But the light wasn't moving. So there was no, there was no person with an LED headlamp. That was the kind of way the light that came kind of looked. And I was looking at this light because I'm like, is someone coming, you know, to see someone coming up to the campsite? Do I have a problem here? Is there someone that's found me or, or after me or something like that? And as I look at the light, I can tell that it looks like this. Now, let me make it clear. There wasn't this going on. But this is what it looked like. It looked like those figures dancing in the light. There was no figures in the light. That's just how my eyes were interpreting the weird things that this light was doing. And I don't know to this day what it was. I tried to record it, and obviously nothing comes up on camera except total darkness. And it was there all night. When the calls were happening, it was there. The calls stopped. And then, I kid you not, mate, I looked to the left, and I look at the light, and then it just switches off as if a light went off, as if someone flicked off the light switch and it never came back, and the calls never came back. So there's, there's some kind of correlation. I don't know what the light was, and I don't know what the calls were, but it was it was, it was bloody weird. It was it was bloody weird, and you got to when do you draw a line at coincidence and something significant? You know what I mean? That's uh, that's incredible. I mean, like, what goes through your mind when you're seeing something like that? Because I mean, not not everyone has these types of uh, I guess sightings when they. That a lot of people might hear the wood knocks, but they won't see the lights. Or some people might see the lights and not have the wood knocks. But, I mean, what what's kind of going through your mind when you, you're experiencing both of those at the same time? Uh, you're excited. Definitely um, trying to contain your, yourself because you get a little bit like a you know, kid in a candy store. Um, so I was definitely excited, but more just like, what the hell is that? You know, what am I hearing? What is that like? Is this something? Am I imagining things? But the main thing that goes through my head is don't jump to conclusions, dude. Just think logically. Think like a skeptical. If someone's going to watch this footage back or if you're going to tell someone this story and they think that Yahweh's and orbs are absolute rubbish, what are they going to rationally think I'm seeing and hearing? And that's what goes through my head. I'm trying to debunk as I go. Because I think that's a much better mindset than going absolute orb, absolute yowie, this is absolutely happening, and then convincing yourself that what you're seeing is what you're seeing. So what's going through my head? I'm trying to develop myself and trying to contain excitement and just basically taking it a minute at a time and just seeing if it goes away, see if it stays. So a very um, systematic approach in that at that particular night anyway. And, of course, just bloody confusion. What the heck's going on? What is all this? You know, that's also a lot of the thought process. Have you ever felt like you're in danger in situations like that before? Never, ever, ever. Um, I can tell you a story, which only happened to me last week about times I felt in danger. It's not on the Yahweh. I think maybe we can hit that up a bit later. But And it's the only time I've ever felt threatened in the bush. I'm, and people definitely call me out as a, as a naive fool for, for believing this. And again, <laughs> that's their perspective and they're absolutely welcome to it. But I just don't believe they're, they're, they have any benevolent, sorry, benevolent intentions. I think they are very peaceful beings. I think people, I think we might have what you might call an ancestral memory where 
you know, things that go bump in the night. Um, there's actually a really interesting theory, which I don't know if you've ever heard of before. It's called Neanderthal predation, the- predation theory. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. What's that? I can't remember the guy's name because I, again, didn't know I was going to bring it up. But the idea is basically that the reason humans, and this is very speculative, so I'm not saying this is fact, I'm just saying this is one guy's theory. The reasons humans get scared of the dark and get that, that, that fear that most people would feel when they're out in the woods on their own and they think, you know, 14 foot young one looking at them is because in our ancient past that we were prey for Neanderthal because we were the smaller, more fragile, you know, homo sapiens and that the Neanderthals would actually prey on us and even interbreed with us by force, I guess you could say. And this guy has all these really interesting data to back this up. And so I often think that that may be real, that may be true, but I just don't think they're out there to get us. And it's hard to fight that natural instinct to, to fear this and feel vulnerable. You know, it's really hard to fight that natural instinct. But in my opinion, the only reason people have ever had negative encounters with a, with a Bigfoot, a Yowie, a Sasquatch, a Hairy Man, whatever you want to call them, is because they've stumbled across a, what, I, what I consider to be like a sacred territory. And this can, if you wanted to, can dovetail into one of the one of the theories that I'm working on with you is in my own head and seeing if it makes any sense of it all. But I put it to you this way. Kane, you seem like a pretty cool guy. You know, you don't, I don't think you're going to go and bite anyone's heads up, head off today or, you know, I don't think you're going to go get in a bar fight or anything like that. But if someone was to walk into your house or, you know, threaten your family, I think you'd be a very different person, you know, as you would need to be, right? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I think Howie's are exactly the same. I think they are at their core, exceptionally peaceful beings, but if they have a sacred place, they're going to defend that. And if you look at the vast majority, and you would be the man who would know having the, the podcast that you do, if you look at the vast majority of cases where there's been what people call you know, a terrifying encounter or this and that, it's never really that terrifying. It's a stick throw, it's a, it's a bluff charge, it's a rock throw. It's a very passive way of moving someone on out of an area, I, I, I believe anyway. Yeah, it's um, it's it's something. I think it's very circumstantial. Um, because I've I've had I've I've had some conversations with people actually just fairly recently where uh, a lady kind of got knocked unconscious, and I don't know if this episode would be out by uh, the time this one is, but this uh this lady got knocked unconscious, and it's it's it was very much down the track of was it potentially a Yowie attack that did this. Um, but I, I do hear a lot of stories that the Australian Yowie seems to be a little bit more aggressive than, I guess, other, um, I guess, creatures like this, like Bigfoot and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, that it could just be circumstantial. You know, Australians are, are very versatile individuals and they will go into areas where they're not really supposed to go. Yes, we will, yes. You know, we're, we're kind of mongrels like that. Um, and that could just be the case is, you know, they're just going into the wrong area at the wrong time. That's um, all. Yeah, that's all. And, and, and to, to, to say that they are aggressive or, or they're placid, it's, it's, um, it's something that I would probably take more on a, on a case by case basis. And I mean, it, it's all about reading that situation at that time. True. I agree. And that's, and that's one of the things I think, this is why I don't go into it with a negative perspective about them, because just like, you know, you and I are nice, a nice, normal level-headed blokes, there's also a guy around the corner who might rip your head off, and they're probably exactly the same. There's nice ones, and there's not-so-nice ones, or there's 
ultra-protective ones and ultra-aggressive ones, and then there's ultra-placid and wise ones. And I just, if I was to take a perspective out in the bush with me, it's that I'm actually more protected than threatened by them. Because I'm convinced, mate, if they didn't want me where I was, I wouldn't be allowed to be there. I, I really genuinely believe that. If they're out there, they don't want me around. They got the size, they got the intelligence, they'll get rid of me in a second. The fact that I'm there and I'm unbothered, to me, is quite a good indication. And there's lots of stories of people that feel that like, may have even been on your podcast that told the story. I'm not sure, but people that, you know, get almost like escorted home. Was it you that did that in the Yeah, I've, I've spoken to a fair few people who say they've, they get ex- escorted with the uh, the Yowies. They kind of just gently, but forcibly, kind of push them out of the uh, the area by no no actual physical means, but letting their presence be known that hey, you need to get moving along. Yeah, and there was another one that I heard where people would ritualistically almost have this Yowie or what they believe was a Yowie or Bigfoot, wherever it was, um, literally follow them home and make sure they get home. You know, these weird little cases like this that makes me just question the whole, you know, these things are aggressive monsters that need to be shot and killed and, and feared. Uh, I just don't feel the need to fear them. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll you know, regret that one day, but I, don't, I just don't feel the need. That's just me. And I'm probably wrong, and maybe I am, but that's just where I stood on that. No, and I think, you know, as long as you're you're reading the situations correctly and you're, you're doing everything that you can to stay safe, and, and I think you'll be right, but... Uh, I, I I would always just kind of be on my toes. I, I wouldn't trust these things um, to to say that they're all nice or anything like that because at the end of the day, you know, they, they would be a wild animal um, and you you just wouldn't trust your life to something that you, you didn't know. Now, what if they're not a wild animal? What if they're more of the moorhead perspective where they are advanced species that uh, there's nothing wild about them whatsoever? And they're phasing in and out of this reality to do what they need to do, and they're basically energetic beings. And they would have very little reason to um, to even engage us. And I think that's why we don't see them that much because we're almost an event in their life, I believe. You could just be you could have nailed it right on the head there. It's um, it's it's just one of these things that I don't think there's there's any right or wrong reason to 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 thinking about them because you know they're they're such a mysterious creature, um, and there's so many different ways to to think of how they may operate and how they may even even live it's um it's it's what i really do love about this subject is just that there's so many different angles that you could go down on and each one warrants a proper discussion warrants proper research because who's to say what's right and wrong at this stage what you do it's it's absolutely fantastic and I, i really do appreciate the the fresh way that you kind of go about the what you're doing out there because I don't think this is a, a traditional science. There's nothing traditional about it at all. And it's always good to kind of get a fresh set of uh, eyes upon this type of project. And, you know, people like yourself out there doing that is fantastic. Do our best, man, and hopefully someone gets a kick out of it. There's always going to be haters and detractors, but you know, hopefully we get some kind of answers and people are a little bit entertained along the way as well. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 